Playlist. I'm Shannon Pink. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. Today, we're talking about something that came from a, a movie quote that I repeat too often. You you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you I don't think it means what you think it means. That's what it is. <laughs> and it's because uh, it's from Princess Bride. It's a good movie. And the, the one guy keeps saying, inconceivable, which means like, I couldn't even imagine it. It's yes. not, I cannot conceive of this thing. And then Inigo Montoya is like, mm, I don't think you know what that word means. You have no idea what that means. <laughs> and it's such a great thing. It's so good. Which my life might be this. There are probably, I mean, I already found out this week. There are a lot of things that I say that I had. I mean, I know what it means now, but what did it, what did it actually mean? Where did it come yeah. from? And I had no idea. You know, when you start recording a podcast for other people to listen to, <laughs> you go to say a word and you're like, wait a minute. Do I really know what that word means? I've said some shit that I'm like, that was real dumb. Why did you say <laughs> I'll look that? it up afterwards and I'm like, that's close enough. It's fine. I don't have to tell maybe, Brian to cut that out. Maybe people miss that. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to talk about um, phrases or sayings that maybe you don't know where they came from or they don't mean what you think they mean. Um, and before we get started on that, just so that no one gets mad at us, I have a quick thing to say about how language changes yeah so semantic change or um semantic shift progression development or drift they all refer to the same thing and it's the way that language evolves over time revolves see it's easy see, to get the words it wrong. definitely is <laughs> i guess it could revolve but we're talking okay. about its evolution not yes. its revolution so right now young people young people <laughs> <laughs> Young people on the internet, um, they're saying immaculate. They're using it in a new way. I don't even want to know because I have no idea. I'm trying not to be so annoyed, but I'm so annoyed by it. What does it mean now? So um, according to like the traditional definition, um, immaculate means clean, spotless, Mm -hmm. unsoiled, unsullied, pure, impeccable, like the immaculate conception. Right. So Mary got pregnant without having been, which is... This is a, just a whole can of worms because it, it sure is. because it doesn't make you not pure to have had sex. Exactly. That's what that means. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now the way that people are using it is like it's delicious or like really beautiful makeup is immaculate, which is the opposite of immaculate, right? <laughs> because your face isn't clean no. if it's got makeup on it. It's pretty pretty. Pretty dirty. So now it's coming. It just it starts to mean that because we use it in that way all the time mm-hmm. in the way that people use aesthetic. That's uh-huh. one that I've been I've been trying to accept for okay. a few years now. People say that's so aesthetic. That's not a that, thing. No, that's not how that word works. But because they keep saying it, it is now. And I just have to be fine with it. I have to sit here and think back on all the ones that we kind of took over as like the millennial generation. Because I'm sure, like, I know we did, obviously. Can you think of any? I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head. And I don't, obviously, like, for me, they just feel right. So I don't, I don't even know. I know that we say um, legitimate for the wrong things, like legitimately. Mm-hmm. And I heard a person say the other day, legitly. Which um, always makes me giggle. So <laughs> somehow I'm more fine with that than this whole immaculate aesthetic thing. Yes. And aesthetic is like a, a decorating theme or preference. Exactly. But what a thing is like, this is so aesthetic. When girls say it about their really cute room design on TikTok, um, just means like they like the vibe of it. <laughs> But it's supposed to talk about a specific vibe. Yeah. And aesthetic. Yes. 
but it doesn't matter now because, well, I'll tell you why. Okay. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> so, um, pretty soon as, as we use a thing the same way over and over again, it becomes, it just starts to mean that thing. So no matter how I personally feel about it, which is strong, <laughs> I feel strongly about it. Um, that's just how language works. It evolves and it changes sometimes to the point where a word or phrase develops a wholly new definition. Mm -hmm. And then you'll go back in time like we did today and look it up and find out that what it meant originally is completely different from the way that you perceive it now. Uh And it it honestly doesn't matter because what what it means now is what we understand it to mean. Like that's the purpose of language, right? Yes. So as we go through our lists, <laughs> I just want you to remember like the whole point of language is to communicate effectively. Yes. So it's to take, I'm going to get excited for a second. <laughs> it's to take a thought from one brain uh-huh. and then be able to say it out loud in a way that when you hear it, it makes the same thought or image in your brain yes by like creating it or recalling it somehow i can take what's inside me that isn't real uh-huh and say it out loud until it's real inside your brain too oh my god and that is that is nuts that is straight up magic it is straight up magic that's i don't need there's no other real word to, for that it's no. just magic uh, so we're daily even about like super lame boring things participating in this exchange that's just nothing short of amazing right so if you don't agree with the things that we say that's fine um Tell us about it. Yeah. Get on our socials. We'll chat about it. It'll be fun to see like, well, oh, my grandma always said this. And so I thought it meant it that way or whatever. Right. Um, Don't feel like you're a big dummy or that you need to be mean about it to make yourself feel better because that just wouldn't be very fabulous to view. Absolutely not. Um, But please, let's chat. I would love it. I'm excited to hear what you think. Right. Or like, how did you hear about it? What what has it been for you in your life? Mm -hmm. Because like even like regionally. Things are different. Absolutely. Yep. And or there's one that my dad always says that's this, this and this. I want to tell me. I want to know. Yeah. Get on and tell us. That'd be really fun to talk about. <sighs> okay. So um, I have a few more short ones and Chan has a few fewer longer ones. So I'm going to go first. Um, this one is. Uh, <laughs> 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 this could come off as me being. Like a fuddy duddy preachy kind of person. Okay, and that's not the space that I'm coming from spiritually. Okay, so perfect, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so, um, we all, all of us have heard to be or not to be. Yes, right. I'm pretty sure he does it on Wishbone. Oh yeah, definitely. Before I get into this one about to be or not to be, just a quick trigger warning that we are going to talk about um, suicide, not in any kind of graphic way, just the general idea of it. So um, to be or not to be, the soliloquy from Shakespeare's Hamlet is about life and death. Uh, And I think we use it so casually. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And I just, um, not, not in a overbearing way, just thought, hey, what if you knew what that meant? Yeah. So I'm going to tell you about it. Okay. Um, I took some quotes from the soliloquy to kind of explain it. So um, to live or not to live, basically, um, is what to be or not to be means. To bear those ills we have or fly to others that we know not of. So Hamlet is weighing the known pains and fears of life against the unknown of death by suicide. To sleep no more. And by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. 
So here's the thing about that. Um, if you didn't know what it meant or you hadn't really thought about it before, um, the next time you hold up a skull in the Halloween aisle and start hollering out these words that don't really mean anything, just take a second and have a little a little heed for those who have truly pondered that choice um, and for whom those particular words have a great deal of meaning. Hmm. That's all. That's my whole thought on that. I like it. I I honestly didn't realize that that's what that was. Oh. Because I'm really bad about Shakespeare, to be real honest. You know, it's not always approachable. No. Like, but, I, there's a lot of stuff that I do like, but, and I like Shakespeare. It's just, Shakespeare takes me a minute. Shakespeare mm-hmm. takes me a second. And I'll be honest, I never finished Hamlet. Oh. Yeah. Hamlet's, it's a good one. Um, I think Ophelia is such a pretty name. Yes, it is. That's oh. not the point of Hamlet. <laughs> but, but it's part of it. By the by. <laughs> Um, it's, it's a really beautiful soliloquy and I don't know actors names, but the guy who plays in the Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock Holmes, he's the bad guy, Moriarty. Oh yeah. I can see his face. I have, you I know, that guy. remember his name. I'm pretty sure it was, I'm pretty sure it was that specific soliloquy. I heard, I saw like a video of him doing. Okay. And every now and then when you see a, a modern actor performing um, a scene from Shakespeare, they'll say it in a way that makes sense. They'll change the cadence yeah. from like the lines on the page to a way that we would speak. Mm-hmm. And suddenly all the words mean something. It just something. clicks. Uh, and I think that that's a really brilliant work that they're doing. Absolutely. My brain us needs it. that. <laughs> <laughs> Give us secret Shakespeare where we're not paying attention yes. and we'll just imbibe it. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to say about that one. It's okay. Not, maybe it's not one like, I didn't know that it, whatever, whatever, but... It's, it's, a little, it's good to put out there. It's a little deeper than yeah. maybe we thought before. Exactly. So mine isn't, mine kind of is like, maybe you didn't know the meaning, but I feel like most of us know the meaning behind the ones that I found. But I think a lot of us are like thinking that it came from something different. Um, so the first one that I found is Mad as a Hatter. I've heard a little about this, okay. but not a lot. So Without jumping into it too much, I think most of us, you typically think of Alice in Wonderland. Right. And you think that's what the reference is. And I immediately mean, Johnny Depp. Yes. Because that's like, I mean, that was written a while ago. That one was like 1837. Lewis so like, Carroll. Yeah. Lewis Carroll was a while ago. Um, and Lewis Carroll did create a character called the Mad Hatter. But the phrase itself was actually popular about 30 years before that. Okay. Um, so... Let's talk about a few potential reasons for why this is the case, because there are a few potential sources for this. Okay. Um, So I'm going to talk to you about a man named Robert Crabb, which I just love that name. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's great. And I just imagine him just having little claws. I don't know why. Little little pinchy claws? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So approximately 1807, he is a hatter that lives in Chestham, England, and he was considered quite the eccentric, which is really funny for why. Um, <laughs> I don't, I just, this, this feels very spot on to me. Okay. Um, so he gave basically everything he had to the poor. Everything. He, everything he had, he sold it. He gave the money to the poor. While he, he was still alive? While he was still alive. Oh, so cool. Every day of his life, this is what he's doing. Wow. And like, like there was a quote that said he lived off of dock leaves and grass. <laughs> Doesn't sound great. <laughs> right? Doesn't sound awesome. Why is he doing this? He took the Bible extremely seriously. 
extremely seriously. Oh, and that always goes so well. It, I mean, for him, it sounds like mean, maybe it, <laughs> on a maybe small scale, not, it works like, out. Maybe for him, it was. So he like he particularly was drawn to a New Testament verse that says, "If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor." He, uh-huh. he just, that was his life's motto. He was going to live by this. Christians at the time were like, buddy, you're reading into this too much. <laughs> Entirely too much. There's no way in their minds that God meant for the poor to have more than they were going to have. And so that's, he, that's why he was considered mad. That's why... That's one possible reason for why the term mad as a hatter, because he was a hatter, mm-hmm. comes into play. So one specific hatter. One specific a hatter extreme. that was just a little extreme in his Christian beliefs. Okay. Um, so that's one possibility. Now let's talk about a little substance called mercury, because this one's really the big one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the 18th and 19th centuries, felt hats were all the rage. Big, huge. Just a quick note about felt hats. <laughs> when you think about that, you think of like the felt you buy at, at Joanne Fabrics. That's not what we're talking about. No, it's from from furs, right? Yes, exactly. So it's, it it was an animal. It was. Now it's a hat. Exactly. And they do something to make it hard and stand uppy. And that is mercury nitrate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's not the nicest of substances. <laughs> but super handy. Um, super handy. Like, it really was. It was the common method of turning fur into felt at the time. And OSHA wasn't a thing at the time, unfortunately. <laughs> so no one really cared about your workplace conditions. And the safety around what is really a toxic substance, it really wasn't monitored. Nobody really checked up on it. No one was really, like, making sure everyone was okay. So professional hatters spent really, really prolonged periods of time exposed to the substance. Yeah. And... It had it had an impact. They ended up developing ailments like tremors, emotional instability, speech problems, hallucinations. And this definitely went noticed. Like <laughs> everybody's like, that hatter over there. Um, I mean, when okay? I had those behaviors, people did notice and I had to become medicated. Yes. So, I mean, it, it shows up in your life. <laughs> right. Danbury, Connecticut, which was actually... Um, a huge center like for the world of making hats they had a lot of these instances and so one of the symptoms fever oh my god maybe (laughs) pretty sure that's what hats are made of (laughs) how much beaver you have (gasps) enough no plenty (laughs) plenty of beaver (laughs) um so the shakes that i was talking about before Mm -hmm. because they were the prominent hat making area it was actually called the danbury shakes oh yeah wow um i think it's cool that people who make hats are called hatters i think so too because like a shoemaker's not a shoer i want to be a shoer or a like a, a lasher hmm. uh no that doesn't sound like eyelashes it sounds violent it doesn't so does cutter <laughs> i wouldn't mind being a booker a booker uh that'd be cute uh, oh know. you know what Writers. Oh my God. <laughs> There's that. There is that. <laughs> I just, hatter sounds fun. I don't know why. Maybe not being it mad as a hatter. Cool. Yeah. Um, but up until the 1940s, that was our primary method. The 1940s, that was our primary method wow. of making felt hats. And then we kind of finally figured out like, 
hey, this is a common theme. What are we doing? <laughs> his crazy looks a lot like his crazy, and they have the same job. Huh. What's Very the common theme interesting. there? Right? Um, so there's a third potential option. So the mercury nitrate, I'm going to say that that one is the most common one that I found. Mm-hmm. But there's another one. There's okay. another theory. Um, so... And this is before the hat-making profession even came about. So an adaptation of the Anglo-Saxon word adder, meaning poison. Oh. Closely related to the word. So adder, that one is A-T-T-E-R, and it means poison. And it's really close to the other word adder, A-D-D-E-R, for a poisonous snake. Yeah. I'm going to read a few things here, and it's going to click eventually. So I'm going to be reading some quotes. Okay. Let's... Oh, how do you say that? Lexicographers. Those are um, wordographers. Wordographers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lexicographers William and Mary Morris and Morris Dictionary of Word and Phrase Origins favor this derivation because Mad as a Hatter was known before hat making was recognized. According to them, Mad meant venomous and Hatter is a corruption of Adder or Viper. So the phrase Mad as an Adder actually meant a, as venomous as a Viper. Oh. Very different. Right? Completely different meaning of the word. Yeah. So I like it doesn't mean like you're showing some like signs of being maybe a little out of whack in the brain area. Yeah. It means that you're like You're mean. You're mean. You're you're not a nice person. Wow. Yeah. So those are the three meanings. I'm gonna give you one real life ab like application that people kind of put as like oh, historically, this person was mad as a hatter and it was a big deal. Okay. <laughs> um, so obviously we kind of remember Abraham Lincoln was shot by John Wilkes Booth mm-hmm. and Booth was shot by Boston Corbett. Yes. Okay. Corbett spent his early life as a hat maker and it, it, belie- it is believed that the effects of his early life job affected his decision making for his future. Okay. Um, so he was considered mad as a hatter for going against orders when he had Booth cornered in a barn in Virginia and shot Booth instead of taking him alive. After investigation, Corbett was forgiven for his disobedience, but left the army and went back to hat making. After a few years, Corbett was even more mad than people had once thought and was thrown into an insane asylum. He managed to escape and he was never seen again. <gasps> Where did he go? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So that's not as a hatter. There's three different versions and like of where it came from and like two different versions of what it actually means. Very I had cool. never heard of like the you're like a mean person one. No, Matt is an adder. Yeah. Very cool. Right? I like that. I did too. I thought it was really interesting. Never heard that before. Me neither. Okay. My next one is... Uh, one that's been blowing my mind since I heard about it. <laughs> and all of our friends already know it because they can't shut up about it. Um, blood is thicker than water. Mm-hmm. Have I ranted to you yet? You've ranted to me a tiny bit, but it's you've kept exciting. me in suspense. <laughs> <laughs> so the first known reference to the phrase was in 1180 in Renard the Fox by Henrik Deer Glickerzier. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, when he said, kin blood is not spilt by water. And then in, seven, in 1670, sorry, um, John Ray wrote, blood is thicker than water in his work, Proverbs. The invention of the phrase is actually credited back to Sir Walter Scott in his 1815 novel, Guy Mannering, or The Astrologer. The commonly known proverb, blood is thicker than water, implies that family ties are the most important. 
right? So the blood Mm -hmm. that families share is more important than the bonding of anything else. Okay. But the full quote, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, conveys like the literal opposite of that message. So the blood of the covenant are the people that you've battled and spilt blood with. Yeah. Your chosen family have the strongest bond. Mm -hmm. Um, In a lot of cases, because this is old, it would reference like actual battles. Right. People that you've truly spilt blood with um, rather than just like the people that you (laughs) were behaving poorly and fell in high heels and scraped your knees with. Yep. Which is how you get them now. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Bitches have some tight relationships via blood. Absolutely. In in more cases than just skin knees. We get it. We get Mm -hmm. it. Real soldiers. (laughs) So the water of the womb or the connection between biological families is circumstantially um, is uh, sorry, is circumstantial and less meaningful. So people that you're just happen to be born related to. Yes. um, Those relationships are are possibly less meaningful. So can your womb friends be as cool as your blood friends? For sure. For sure. Um, But birth doesn't entitle them to that connection. Right. Well, I've always felt because like I've always said it's like the family you choose, not the family you're forced to have. I still Mm -hmm. choose some of my family that I was born into. Like they're still part of the family that I choose. And some of the experiences that we go through together do keep us tight like that. Yeah. And make us stronger friends. Yeah. Um, So when people say blood is thicker than water, insinuating that no matter what, you have to be on the same side as your blood relatives. Mm I like the other definition better. I do too. The blood of the covenant, like the promises that we make to each other out loud. Yeah. Not the circumstances of our birth, but like our actions and choices in our lives right. are the things that tie us the tightest together. That's absolutely true. So I really liked that I one. love that. That's... It felt very King Arthur and his knights kind of great yes. to me. I really liked it. No, that's, that's a huge one in my life. That's mm-hmm. absolutely, like I said, like I said, it's. You're the family you are born into can be the family that mm-hmm. you have that with as well. Like you as choose long as it. you keep choosing each other, yeah, right? Exactly. I like that. Mm-hmm. That one's really good. I like it a lot. Oh my goodness! And I thought it was so interesting that it's just the actual opposite, right? Like you think it's one thing, and then when it's actually like spelled out more, you're like, oh, yeah, it can mean different. the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. It was way wild. Cool. Words, words Am I are right? crazy. You want to hear a fun one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one, this one, um, I, I knew what it meant. So paint the town red. What does that make you think of? Um, going, getting, getting wild for the night, right? Going, yeah. Partying. Just going out, getting crazy, mm-hmm. like living the party life yeah. for a whole night, just going for it. It's exactly what the origin story is. And it's beautiful. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> okay. We're going back into time into the 1800s, April 6, 1837, to be exact here. Okay. Okay. So let's introduce you guys, the Marquis of Waterford. All right. He's a wild man. He was, <laughs> so this is like, this actually like goes in well with the other one. He was actually titled um, or had the nickname of the Mad Marquis. What a cool nickname. <laughs> I know. The Mad Marquis. The Mad Marquis. Um, he was very famous for just being uh, quite the lush, <laughs> super quite the lush, and all kinds of debauchery were sure to ensue. Basically, 
anytime he went anywhere. He's that friend who, when he texts you, you're like, okay, but I can't like get too crazy. Like we need to, <laughs> we need to keep it in check a little bit. <laughs> I I'm have only going to have two drinks tonight. <laughs> I don't have marquee inheritance. <laughs> no. <laughs> Some of us have some work in the morning. <laughs> um, so April 6th was a night of this extreme debauchery. Um, <laughs> The Marquis and many of his other prominent friends partied real hardy at the Croxton races in England earlier in the day. It's early in the day. They're drunk as shit. <laughs> Just completely wasted. Belligerent Just at the gone. races. Yep. Oh my gosh. It's not like a, that should be the name of somebody's like album. Belligerent at the Belligerent races. Belligerent at the races. It's like classy but trashy. Oh my God. <laughs> I really like it. Belligerent but in cool hats. Uh-huh. Ooh. Um, and drinking a something um, a mini juleps. juleps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, they probably were. <laughs> they they probably were. Um, so they get drunk at the races, and the races are finished. It's time to move on to their next destination. Um, well, on the way to their next destination, they encounter a toll booth, and they're not about to pay a toll. Are you kidding me? It's a party day for Obviously. parties only. We're responsibilities and paying for things went. <laughs> no. Grow up. Absolutely not. So the marquee at all did not want to pay their fee. And obviously the worker wasn't about to let them in. Like, that's fair. These boozy revelers did not agree. <laughs> they were not on board with this. These boozy revelers. <laughs> Instead of paying, they found some painting supplies that were stashed nearby. As you do. As you do. Um, and these were just to happen to be on hand. They were doing some repairs to the toll booth. Um, and the toll booth happened to be red. <gasps> yes. <laughs> they first get the toll booth worker and paint him red. <laughs> what a sucky day at work. What a real shit day. Like, I'm not going to lie. A bunch I, of rich fuckers paint you red <laughs> just for doing your job. Right? What the actual fuck? <laughs> like, I sit here and I say, I love this story, and it sounds like wild and exciting. I'd be fucking pissed. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Kidding. What if it was my favorite outfit for the day and you just fucking ruined it? Red paint in your hair, in your eyebrows, in your ears. Shit doesn't come out. No. No. You're going to be scrubbing. And I'm sure, like, you're scrubbing for days at that point anyways. They didn't even have very good showers. No. What? If they had showers at if all. If they had showers. They were probably. It's like a bucket situation. Oh, god damn. I'd be so mad. I'm just thinking this through. Because at first I was like, getting painted red sounds real shitty. But they didn't. They didn't for people have that shower. have, like, what two full outfits. Yeah. No loofahs. This is awful. This has just made it worse for me. <laughs> um, so it doesn't stop there, though. A policeman comes. He gets painted red, too. <laughs> oh, no. He gets painted red, too. So they're done with that. They're like, okay, we took care of that. We're on our way. Um, they're going to go to Melton Mowbray now with painting supplies in hand. They didn't pay their toll, by the way. And they <laughs> nailed up the entrance. So they're the last people to enter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so good. What are they thinking right now? They're just... Like, we're going to tear it up. We're fucking going. <laughs> it's too late to it's turn back. It's too late to turn back. We're fucking owning it. And they do, because right now they're on a roll, right? Like, they're right. going. 
Um, they've got so much fucking red paint. I know, they must. <laughs> um, so the Marky and his friends quite literally paint this town of Melton Mowbray red. They paint streets. They paint walls. They paint floors. They paint doors. They paint any service they can find red. <laughs> All of it. All of it's being painted red. They stole door knockers. They smashed flower pots. They painted the spots where those were red. They, they're, this is great. So they, they climb in. So there's a red lion inn in this town. The original. The original. They rip the sign down and throw it into the canal. <laughs> the mischief. I know. Okay. Somebody's got to pay for all this. <laughs> They also tried to turn over a caravan of sleeping people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> These guys go crazy. Oh, this one's great. You ready for this one? No. <laughs> oh, my God. So they're climbing up on each other's shoulders and there's a white swan in. So not only is there a red lion in, there's a white swan in. <laughs> they climb up on each other's shoulders. They paint the white swan red. <laughs> they still paint it red. So even 150 years later... They go back and take this down, this one down. There's still red flakes there on the back. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> they went crazy. One person in this group, Edward Reynard, actually did get arrested. Is he the poorest one? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but the Marquis actually managed to break his friend out of jail. <laughs> Is he a Marquis or Jesse James? Uh, Probably both. (laughs) (laughs) He just, he is wild. Um, So 18 months later, they were actually held accountable and everyone in the group was fined 100 pounds. And this like would be 8,000 pounds today. Okay. Um, It is said that some of them kind of felt bad about it. And so they were like, they were just toasted. We should probably do it. It was just a ruckus night, guys. I'm really sorry. (laughs) I don't remember most of it. Right. If that makes it better. Um, Hopefully. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, So ultimately, that's where that night stops. But the third Marquis of Waterford, Henry Bursford? Bursford. That's how we're going to say it. Nice. He kept up the mischief. And he... He's the one who really got this phrase into the English language of like, we're painting the town red. He was actually suspected of being the original Springhilled Jack. I don't know if you've ever heard of oh, this before. I have. Yeah, the man who dressed up in feathers and claws and scared travelers in the woods and he could and like, like jump jumped away. Yeah, that was him. <laughs> <laughs> Little weirdo. Or at least suspected to be him. It's there's some there's some thought there that that could be him. <laughs> So that's what painting the town red is. That is cool. <laughs> I just I read this and I'm like, I I would be that person who came back later and was like, I'm I'm so sorry. And you know they were so obvious because as they left they had red paint all over them. Everywhere. So everybody knew for sure for who had just too, done it. Because we just talked about like this poor guy right. who got painted red is gonna be scrubbing for weeks. <laughs> well, so are these guys. Like there's no way you're like no running way. around town painting shit and not getting the paint on you. And they're being silly. Yeah. At some point they started painting each other. Of course. Like, rolling around and of dumb things. Of course. If they didn't, I'd be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Just tattling on themselves as <laughs> I'm real sorry. Lock up your shit on April 6th. I Absolutely. Don't know. It's not In- April Fool's Day anymore. It's April 6th. <laughs> wild. Woo. Wild party. That's pretty fun. I thought I threw a wild party once. No. You didn't paint the neighbors red. I didn't red. paint the neighbors red, so <laughs> it doesn't count anymore. 
This is what I'd never heard of before. Okay. I'd heard the saying. I had no idea it meant anything else. Have you heard the phrase phrase spitting image? Yes. Okay. So this is a a rather large quote because I'm so excited (laughs) to talk about it. I love it. From the Chicago Tribune. Heidi Stevens wrote an article called The Origins of Spitting Image. If you like word shit, get excited. I'm excited. (sighs) I can't wait to tell you. Okay. For the majority of language columnists, spit an image with like the N apostrophe. Uh It's a euphemistic alteration for corruption of the original expression. So spit and image. Okay. Um, And a guy named Horn, he's a professor we're going to talk about. He wrote a paper on this topic. Okay. Others maintain the true phrase is splitting image, as though a person had been split into two mirror shapes. Okay. So spitting image, let's go back a tiny bit, is what you say when, like, a son looks just like his dad. Right. He's the spitting image of Ted. Yes. He looks just like him. So splitting image... Split the person in half, two mirror images, right? Okay. Still others, Horn says, insist that the saying is a melding of spirit and image. As in, he's the very spirit and image of his father, meaning he's got his dad's spirit and looks. Okay. Kind of like when you see... Family, when their mannerisms make you think yeah. like each other, spirit and image. I argue with support from history, dialects, and other languages with parallel expressions that the original form was actually spitten, S-P-I-T-T-E-N, image. Okay. He told us before passing along the 25-page paper, which I will be reading. Oh, my goodness. Um, that he wrote in 2004 for the linguistics journal American Speech called Spitten Image, Etymology, and Fluid Dynamics. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Did you get a little excited? A little bit. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Chills. Listen to this. Oh, my gosh. This is a word I've never heard before. <laughs> Etymology. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, Horn explained is an offshoot of etymology, the invention of lexical urban legends that explain various expressions in the language without any actual historical support for them. Okay. So some of the things we tell you today might be etymology because we don't really know their original sources. Right. Or the sources were assumed in the articles we read. Yeah. So etymology. Oh my right? God, I love it. <sighs> Spitten, the E-N one, Horn points out, is the dialectal past participle of spit okay so it's a word that you rarely see these days but a word nonetheless Hmm. over the years spitten morphed into spitten with the apostrophe like spitting which finally morphed to spitting here's where it gets interesting spitten image he says refers to a likeness that was literally spit out but where figuratively the spit in question involved a rather different bodily fluid oh my god see see what i'm saying Uh it has further been shown horn wrote in his paper that the motivation of this participial form attested in a wide variety of languages rests in the analogy between spit and another bodily fluid see how they can't say it Uh but we know what they mean we know what they mean um inherently more relevant to the transmission (laughs) of genetic material (laughs) this is such a good article oh my god these people with words um which explains why most historical uses refer to a father and son okay that makes sense you don't often hear the spitting image of their mother right because women don't make that sort of spit in the same in the same way yeah it's not as you know what it isn't you know you know what it's not <laughs> it isn't as it you don't find it randomly in as many places that's true you can <laughs> you could 
You can. You certainly can. Uh, but uh, we don't talk about it as much, certainly. No, definitely not. We like to pretend that women don't do that at all. No, it never happens. How dare you? Oh, my God. <laughs> the nerve. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> right. Spitting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's from, like I said, that the origins of spitting image. So I just, I'd never heard any of those things before spit and image spitten image image um i just thought that was so interesting revealing lexic what what is the word edomythology oh my god i'm not gonna lie you said that and then i just got excited and then you said the name horn right after it i was like yep that's how i feel about it (laughs) that was exciting word shit exciting words Oh my god! You know, sometimes it's frustrating the language, the way that language grows and changes, but it's still kind of fascinating. Oh, absolutely! The way, like the way an entire definition can change because um, someone heard it and repeated it incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And suddenly, well, that if those words are what it is, then it means something completely different. Like that is just that's amazing. It's like um, playing telephone in kindergarten. Yep. And they say ladybug, and it comes out like you're a butt. <laughs> That's absolutely what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, really cool. I like it. So that's spit and image. Love it. Crocodile tears. Oh, I'm excited for this one. You <laughs> yeah. know what it makes me think of? What? What is that thing? It's on a, a painting. Is it in the the haunted mansion at Disneyland? Of the lady with the umbrella standing on top of a crocodile? Yeah. Isn't that it? That has to be it, right? That's what I think of when I think of crocodile tears. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the crocodile's crying in that. It just is what I think of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's, I think so. Um, this one is a, a shorter one, for sure. This okay. one isn't one of my long stories. We all know it. It's kind of like one of those, like, you're crying, but you don't really mean it scenarios mm-hmm. is what a lot of people attribute that to. Yeah. The expression comes from an ancient anecdote that crocodiles weep for their victims they are eating. Um, people thought that they cried? People, so we'll kind of get into it because, yeah, people thought, oh. so like... We'll get into it. Here okay, we go. Okay. So first thing, a collection of proverbs attributed to Plutarch suggests that the phrase crocodile tears was well known in antiquity, comparing the crocodile's behavior to people who desire or cause death, the death of someone, but then publicly lament for them. The story is given a Christian gloss in the Bibliotheca by early medieval theologian Photios? Sure. Photios. Um, so Photios uses the story to illustrate the Christian concept of repentance. The tale was first spread widely in English in the stories of the travels of Sir John Mandeville in the 14th century. It kind of came to be like people's fake version of repentance. Okay. Is what it was. So if you're pretending to feel bad, crocodile tears. Crocodile tears. Great. Here's the thing. Crocodiles actually do tear up. No, they don't. They do. That's so sad. They're not sad. (laughs) So it's actually just like a... When they're eating something, when they're attacking something, when they're going for something, it's a natural part of their body to have tears come out of their eyes. They're not sad. It's just a natural reaction to it. Is it protecting their eyes for something, maybe, or something like that? Probably. It's interesting. Probably. Sometimes Um, when I eat really good food, I get emotional. Yeah. Maybe it's like that. Maybe that's it. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Um, Yeah, it's it's just something that happens to them. So they're not... They just do it. they They just do it. So it's... That's kind of where this came from is it's these crocodiles have these like false tears in their eyes you while anyway. they're like, when they're eating you anyways, like they're just going to do it. It also kind of was uh, talked about for Judas. Oh, um, and doesn't everything his, go like, right back to Judas? His fake crying after he betrayed Judas or betrayed Jesus. Judas betrayed, 
Judas betrayed... I've had too much wine. <laughs> Judas betrayed Jesus. Well, he, do, he doesn't have a great ending. I think that... Don't they... Doesn't he get some, something upside down? Oh, maybe it was an apostle who got crucified upside down. Maybe I don't know him. Oh. He gets hung. He gets hung. He gets hung. That's what happens. I'd cry about that, too. Yeah, I would, too. That would suck. But that's like... That's the short and sweet of crocodile tears is that crocodiles actually do have little tears that I come out no of their idea. eyes. And it's not that they're sad about it. They're just fucking eaten. And it's a... It's a chemical reaction that happens in their body. Feels a little bitchy. It does. It's fine. Want me to feel bad for you while I die? God damn it. It's asking a bit that's much. Ac- yeah, right. Like, that's actually asking probably yeah. too much. Probably too much. My next one is keep your nose to the grindstone. Mm, okay. I recently read um, Cultish. Yes. Have you heard of Cultish? Yes. Um, I listened to it on Audible. I liked it so, so much. Okay. I mean, only like 72 people listen to our podcast, but if one of them happens to be Audible, call me up. Please. Because I'm using that shit. Mm -hmm. Like a lot. Yep. Keep your nose to the grindstone originally. So people think it comes from one thing, but it's actually another. They're very similar. Okay. Let me tell you what it's about. For reals. It's an, it happens to knife grinders who are bent so far over the stone or like laying flat on their fronts so they can hold the blade against the stone really with their faces super close. Oh. So they can watch what they're doing. And your nose is a little too close to the grindstone. That's terrifying. Um, people think it's about millers um, who put their nose to the millstone to smell for like burning cereal. That makes sense. To okay. see if they're getting too much friction and they're burning what they're milling. But yeah. that is a millstone. And the separation of those two terms goes back a long, long ways. So it's not etymologically accurate to assume that people called them the same thing. They knew a millstone was a millstone and a grindstone was a grindstone. Okay. So it's probably about sharpening a knife. So the first known citation is from John Frith's uh, Mirror of Glass. A mirror of glass, but spelled like old people. Okay. To know thyself. In 1532, this text holdeth their noses so hard to the grindstone that it clean disfigureth their faces. Um, the phrase, oh, sorry, that's just my source. The phrase finder. (laughs) Um, so I was, uh, in cultish, she talks about that original citation yeah, and about how, like, it's not a good idea to work that hard. Uh And they have a lot of thoughts about that, about how life is important. Yes. (laughs) So here's the thing about keeping your nose to the grindstone. Okay. Working hard until you clean disfigureth your face is maybe not a good thing. Probably not a great idea. Um, so if no one else has told you, dear listener, I'd like to give you some advice you didn't ask for. Perfect. <laughs> you got to live your damn life. Yes. So if your joy is your work, and you then you just need to work to find some balance. Yes. So that your joy can continue your whole life long. If you don't find joy in your work, that's okay too. Look out for your nose because nobody else will. Right. Um, if you find that it's a little too close to the grindstone, back off a bit. Hmm. Add some balance to your life. We were all told growing up that if you have a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's not true. Work is still work. work and it's hard. Work. And um, your your company is big and you're small in a lot of cases. Yep. Or it's somebody else's money and not yours. Right. And the only person who's really going to be concerned with your nose has to be you. It's always going to be you. So look out for your nose. Yes. Sometimes it's got to get real close. That's part of life. It is. 
when you can, back off a little bit. Pull away. It's your fine. Own, it's your only face. You and if you're working one. that hard, you can't afford to get it fixed, right? So that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for yourself. That's put your nose to the grindstone. I like it. <laughs> I like that one a lot. I have one more here. Okay. We're going to talk about where white elephant kind of branches off and comes from. It's a, it's a mess. It's white a elephant, like the party. Yes. So like for a lot of people in New England, it's called Yankee Swap. In the South, it's called Dirty Santa. But across of most North America, it's a party game where participants trade steal. Um, presents known as white elephant gifts. Someone's always mad at the end. Always. Most of the time they end up pretty cool about it, but they're still mad. Oh, yeah. And someone will likely do the Michael Scott where they bring one really expensive thing and it pisses everybody else off. And it's a real shit move. Don't do it. We said $15. Stick to $15. And honestly, like, be that person that tries to stick close to $15 the other way, too, if you can. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just... Just the limit is the limit and stick to the limit. And if you're uncomfortable with the limit, tell somebody before. Tell somebody first. Yes. We're all friends here. We're okay. All friends. The limit can be moved. If 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 15 is a lot for you. Say five. Yeah. That's fine. Talk to your friends. Yeah. These are, this blood is thicker than water. Okay. Exactly. Tell that's us just, what's up. You don't have to give us your tax return. No. Just like say, hey, that's not going to work for me right now. Tell us what or makes even, it comfortable. I'm not willing to spend $15 on your dumb gift. That's fair. <laughs> and I would, I would rather it be that way and out in the open because how shitty mm-hmm. would it feel to be the person who got the most expensive one? And how shitty would it feel to be the person who got the least expensive one? And, and to it be feels like, shitty to be the person who brought in a gift that wasn't the same level of everyone else's yep. because you weren't able to to speak up it sucks and if your friends are sucky about that sort of thing um get on our socials we're better friends call we us are. up and we'll hang out 100 percent, mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely so this term white elephant has actually been used 1800s is like a theme for me today <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where this is where i'm living um so this one actually started back in the 1800s to refer to a less than desirable gift yeah um so this one this has been refuted probably like this is likely not the real origin but i think it's kind of cool okay <laughs> um, so according to the legend the tradition of white elephant gifts began long ago when the king of siam now thailand gave an actual white elephant to anyone he disliked I would have been fucking thrilled. You would think because like this is a status symbol, obviously. Like it's a white elephant. This is huge. I'm taking no one has any it. giftable elephants. Absolutely. But what he was trying to do, so these rare elephants were actually quite expensive to care for. So you've got the gift, oh. but these things are pricey. So the white elephant was also a respected symbol in Thai and Buddhist cultures. So you couldn't get away with like regifting it or being like. I'm so just you got stuck with away. a money pit. Yeah. You couldn't get rid of it. Like, that just, that's bad. But, oh my God, it's so much money. That king's a little bit of a bitch. It's true. I hope he did it to mean people. I hope so, too. <laughs> I hope so. Like I said, it was just anybody he didn't like. He's like, a white elephant. Here's an expensive obligation. Here's an honor. Peace. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, so... According to the New York Times, the white elephant, impossible to get rid of, but too expensive to maintain, would be an enormous financial burden, impoverishing, there we go, the recipient. But the legend really has no basis in fact, unfortunately. There probably aren't as many white elephants as you'd need. Right. 
So Thai historian Rita Ringus says no Siamese monarch ever considered white elephants burdensome nor gave them away. (laughs) In Buddhist tradition, white elephants were a sign of status and good fortune. So that's kind of where that comes from. I kind of found some stuff about like white elephant parties going forward from there. Okay. Um, So the notion of swap party started picking up steam around 1901 when Kentucky's Hartford Herald published an article describing a gift exchange with four or five little bundles wrapped so that no one else can suspect the contents, which that's what (laughs) this is. That's what we do. Early descriptions of swap parties recommended that players bring the most absurd gifts possible, finishing the game by handing out prizes, prizes for best bargain or worst bargain. Um, And the recipient of the worst gift would be required to tell a story, sing a song, or otherwise entertain the group. I like that. I think that's really fun. (laughs) I think that's really fun. I'm a little teapot. Oh, my God. (laughs) Did you ever have to do that at girls camp if you had your elbows on the table? You had to go do something embarrassing in front of me? Oh, yeah. I had to write my name in cursive with my booty. Oh. I was uh, 12. (laughs) Let's, Let's not do that to us. Please, no. Please, no. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So the term white elephant party appeared in a joke published in 1907 in Nebraska's The Columbus Journal. And here's a quote. It says, a shocking thing happened in one of our nearby towns. The joke begins. One of the popular society women announced a white elephant party. Every guest was to bring something she could not find any use for and yet too good to throw away. Nine out of 11 women invited brought their husbands. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ladies ladies you savage. are just the most <laughs> sassy and savage oh my goodness <laughs> and they all probably came like i have the best group and not everybody else did the same one yes still funny and then after that these all like for a while in the early 1900s these parties just became hey bring something you want to get rid of uh-huh. So that's kind of where that came from. I just really liked the sassy. I've been to both kinds. I've been to the one bring something weird as hell. Like yep. one was a boob mug where you have to drink out of the nipple. I drink out of that. It was pretty interesting. <laughs> and, but then I've also been to some where it's like a thing that you'd actually like to have. Yeah. So I mean, I've seen sh- both. You just have to say what you want before or else somebody's going to bring something weird. Uh, guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed. So that has to be outlined beforehand. Mm-hmm. You have to be specific. <laughs> Just throwing that out there for everyone. Absolutely. Okay, I have two two more short ones. Perfect. You ready? Yeah. The first one is buck naked. Oh. So um, originally, some people think that the original expression was butt naked. Because buttocks has actually been around um, and referring to the backside since the 17th century. So it's okay. a pretty old word. But some think it was actually buck naked, referring to a buck skin. The skin of a male deer, because deer are naked. Right. Um, or a male indigenous person or person of color. Um, and in that sense, buck is extremely inf- offensive and yucky. Yeah. So, since the intended meaning of both phrases is the same, that you're completely naked. Right. Um, nothing's lost and a lot of dignity is preserved. If we all just agree, then we say butt naked now. I'm all for butt naked. Um, a person is a person, no matter how nude. Absolutely. So, but naked it is. But naked. But naked. And in case you're going to text it to somebody, that's two T's. Yes. FYI. B-U-T-T. And the other one is a really fun one. I think a lot of people have heard of it, but I, I really enjoy this one. So I'm going to tell you about it. Have you seen signs for like ye old pizza shop? Yes. Or whatever. Um, ye old is a phrase um, used in connection 
um, with the to connect like a name of a business or whatever to the medieval past. Okay, so um, it dates back to the 18th century. Yield bookshop, yield pizza parlor, mm-hmm. yield arcade. Perfect. <laughs> I, w- I want to go to a yield arcade. What does that look like? That's amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, using the term "ye" to mean "the" is kind of like the most famous typo ever. Okay. Basically. So in early modern English, there, it would have been written, um, it looks like P-E, because they used the letter from Old English called thorn um, that makes a T-H sound. Okay. So it looks kind of like a, like a lowercase italic P, and it means T-H. Okay, that makes sense. Makes that sound. So the word would be spelled thorn E, which would be the. That's perfect. That makes sense. Um, in the Tudor period, the scribal abbreviation for the with a thorn looked like a fancy letter Y with oh, okay. a little tiny E over the top of it. And because P and Y look so alike in um, medieval English, like almost indistinguishable. Yeah. And sometimes the E would get kind of scooted over like a superscript number. So it'd be like Y squared. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, people started to think it was ye. Oh. Because when you read back, we don't know what thorn looks like. Right. It looks like a Y. Yes. Y-E. Ye old. Ye old. But it was actually the old. Oh. It was never ye. That makes sense. Isn't that interesting? That's wild. Um, so, <laughs> ye old was not a thing, um, but we thought it was. We used it like it was. We all accept it like it was. Mm -hmm. So now it doesn't matter. Now it is. Now it just is. Yield is a thing now. And we all understand that it means like to hearken back to the past, um, which is fun because yield did not exist there. Right. But it doesn't matter. It does not matter. (laughs) Because it still means that. Yes. Even though it's not real, which is pretty cool and pretty silly. I love it. (laughs) That's super fun. So that, I thought that was a really fun one. We all think it's real, and because we think it all together, now it is. We made it a reality. In some cases, it results in something cute, like ye old arcade. In some cases, it results in some nefarious ideas that are really damaging. Yeah. Um, that's not part of this episode. No. We're just sticking with cute shit. Yes. Or wild, drunken debauchery. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's where we're at. Perfect. Reveling. Thorns. Hats, all of it, all of it. It'll be great. Yeah, um, I I fucking love words. Words are amazing, and I love how much and how little they can mean. It can like you can literally say something and it's bullshit, but then the yeah. next day it's yeah, it's a huge deal. And speech and writing can be so casual. Like we stop at the grocery store and pick up bread, mm-hmm. and it can be so meaningful. Like, uh. A Shakespearean play or a declaration of independence, you know, like it can it can transcend time and space and logic. It's crazy. Or it can just be like, excuse me, because I sneezed. (laughs) It's so cool. I love it. And there's really no um, no better way to communicate with anyone you want to communicate with than to find a common language. Yes. And it's not always easy to do. But I think it's 100% worthwhile. Absolutely. And when we can find a way to communicate with each other to, to get the shit in my brain into your brain. Uh-huh. Like, wow. It's amazing. It's really, really cool. It is. 
Um, and when you like when you read a book and an entire like world is in those words. That's wild. How do you even explain that to a person that doesn't know about written language? Right. Like I read these words and it produces a story in my brain. Mm -hmm. That's nuts. Fucking magic. Magic. No other, no other word for it, really. And there are a lot of words for magic. That's true. Any synonym would be fine, I think. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That counts. I mean, great. Oh, my God. (laughs) that was fun huh that was a real fun episode (laughs) let's do this again sometime say hi to your mom for me